0: So good to be back in the house of God this morning. We were back in Manitoba last week, so we weren't in church. I must confess, um, but it was good. It's good to be back. You know, it's. I just woke up this morning, and I didn't sleep very well last night. And I woke up, and I was feeling kind of sick. I was feeling pain in my body. You know, and it was just, it was very very unpleasant, very intense. And so I took some Advil, and I had Allison pray for me. My wife prayed for me, and. And it felt better, but coming into to church this morning, I still just felt, just oh, I just felt so tired, and I just felt so weak, and I just felt like, you know, I just want to be home and rest, you know. And But as soon as the worship started, I just felt all that just leave my body, and it just, you know, was built up. Brother Laurel shared an awesome word, and just encouraged me, and empowered me. So, you know, church is amazing. It's so good to be in a good church in the presence of God like this, right? So... <clears throat> I've entitled my message today, Give God a Little Space to Breathe. Um, So we're going to get into that, and we're going to see what I mean by that. But before I do, let me just ask you, raise a show of hands real quick, who's believing God for something today? For a healing, for a miracle, for a word, for a breakthrough, for a spouse, for whatever it might be, but you're believing God? Quite a few of you, praise God. Okay, so this is is your message for you then, because it's going to be good. But you know, in life, that's just how it is, right? If you're if you're a Christian and you're walking the Christian life, you're going to be believing God for something at some point, right? Even if even if you're not right at this moment, you will be believing God at some time. So, uh, I want to start by comparing five different uh, messages or passages in the Bible of uh, Jesus healing a blind uh, blind people. So there's five different uh, messages. They're all they're all the same sickness. It's it's uh, someone's blind. But there's five different uh, recordings of him healing blind people. And, we'll, and I want, as we go through them, I want you to pay close attention to the method in which he healed them. Okay? So these are all different people. It's not the same person being healed, like, you know, one in Matthew and one in Mark. Whatever. No, it's all different people, all different uh, examples. But, they're, but the, it's five times it's recorded. So the first one we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and in verses 27 to 30, so it says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus straightly charged them saying, see that no man know it. Okay, so in this first example, we saw that uh, he asked, Jesus went, they were were blind, they came to him and he asked them a question, right? He said, believe ye that I am able to do this. Do you believe that I am able to heal you? Right? And then he said, he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verses 22 to 24. It says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So, in this instance, the blind man, when they brought it to him, he healed him by casting out a devil. Okay? 2nd Matthew 20. Matthew 20, verses 30 to 34. It says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So in this example, once again, Jesus asked them a question. But he didn't ask them if they believed. He asked, what is it you want? What is it you want from me? And they said they wanted to be healed. They wanted their eyes to be opened so they could see. And then he touched them and then their eyes were opened. So get Mark. Mark chapter 8. Uh, Mark eight twenty-two to 26. It says, and he cometh to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So here, this blind man, Jesus took him by the hand led him out of the town and spit on his eyes, you know, laid hands on him and prayed for him, and then proceeded to pray for him a second time. Okay? Last one, John chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, uh, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And then verses 6 and 7 says, uh, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So, in this example, this last one in John, here he didn't spit on the eyes of the person, he spat on the ground and he made like mud with the, with the spit, took that mud, put it on the person's eyes, and then says, go and wash in the pool. So what do we see from these, from these five examples? What can, we, what can we see from all five examples? What do we tell? Remember I said, we want to pay close attention into how Jesus healed them. It's different every time. That's correct. It's all the same sickness, right? They're all blind. None of them could see. It's the same sickness... But in every single instance, it was done differently. There were similarities. There, some of them were kind of similar. You know, he, he would touch them sometimes in the eyes, or he lay hands on them. He, You know, uh, twice he spat on the ground. He spat, right? But every time, it was, it was different. It was not the same. The point I want to bring across in this message is we can't create a formula or try to copy someone else's miracle, someone else's breakthrough, someone else's healing. See, as soon as we do that, as soon as we try to create a formula or we try to copy someone else, we're wrapping God in chains. We're putting him in binds, we're putting limitations on him and saying, God, you can only move in this way. You're not going to move, you can't do this, God, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that over here. You can only move in a certain way and we restrict him. We wrap him up, we restrict him, which is why I need my message to this, give God a little space to breathe. You know, we need to let God be God, let God move. In all of these examples, they were different people. They had different pasts. They had different upbringing. They had different parents. They had different uh, experiences in life. They had every... You know, they were, they were all suffering from the same sickness. And yet, they were different in themselves. And how... And God knew, Jesus knew, that they wouldn't just... Rec- they wouldn't all receive the same way. He couldn't just, for all of them, heal the same way. He had to do it differently because their situation was... Even though they were the same sickness, they were different. And so because he was interested in their healing not in creating a formula, or, or making it easy. He, he applied it differently every time. In the first one, you know, he asked in Matthew chapter nine, he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? It's the only time he asked any, asked any of these any examples, do you believe that I'm able to heal? Our faith plays a role In us receiving our our miracle, our breakthrough, our healing, whatever it might be. Our faith plays a role in that. When he he prayed for them, he didn't say, be healed. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. See, if they didn't believe, if they had lied and said, yea, Lord, we believe. But if they were lying, they probably wouldn't have gotten healed. Our faith plays a role. In the second example, this man was possessed with the devil. Matthew chapter 12, he was possessed with the devil. And it's important to see that, it's that first of all, that sickness can be demonic in nature. That it's not always natural. I know in today's society, we always think everything has a natural cause, there's a natural reason for it. Well, not necessarily. in this case, it was demonic. Sickness can be demonic in nature. But it's also very important to note that it's only one out of these five examples that he cast the devil out, which should tell us that sickness is not always demonic in nature. But what do he try to do? We see someone was healed of something they, by casting out a devil. We, we see a great miracle. We see a demon cast out and someone's healed, someone's restored, someone, whatever the case may be. And so right away, we want to go around and we want to just cast devils out of everything. Everything's a demon. Everything's demonic. We want to just say, in Jesus' name, come out of him, you, you spirit of sneezing. You spirit of snow. I command you to stop in the name of Jesus. You know, whatever it might be. You know, you spirit of tiredness. Leave this person. And we, everything just suddenly becomes demonic because we saw one person healed through or receive a breakthrough or a miracle by casting out a devil. See, we can't do that because now we've limited God to only working by... In this way. Well, what if it isn't demonic in nature? Then it doesn't help casting out a devil because there's no demon to cast out. In Matthew uh, chapter 20, he didn't ask, Do you believe? He asked, What do you want? They came to him, they were blind, but he asked them, What do you want? They told him what they wanted. They told him, We wanna, we wanna see, we wanna receive our sight. Not everyone wants to be healed. It's an interesting notion, but not everyone always wants to be healed. Not everyone wants their breakthrough. Not everyone knows what they want. But we see again, you know, sometimes you need wisdom, sometimes you need direction. Jesus asked, what do you want? He didn't say, this is what I want for you. He asked, what do you want? Um, you know, my, my wife, for example, I, uh, I'm not too, I don't want to, make her look bad in any way, but it's, a, it's really a positive testimony, but when we first met, she had uh, gluten intolerance, and I, I had, you know, when I found out, I said to her, you know, you can be healed of that, you don't need to live with gluten intolerance, you can, Jesus can heal you of that, no big deal, and she said to me, no, that's okay, I've learned to live with it, I've had it for so long, you know, it's okay, I've, I've adjusted my life to it already, what? What? You know, like, like, what is that? You know, why? Why? Why would you want to live with that, right? Why would you want to suffer in that way? Why would you want to be restricted in, in, in this? You know, why? Why? But the truth is, we get used to our sickness. We get used to, some people, some people get pity. And they, they love that pity. They love that sympathy that people give them when they see that they're sick. That, you know, they see they have an infirmity of whatever it might be. And they just love that. They, they thrive in that. And so, if they—that wasn't—it wasn't her. Sorry, no, it wasn't. This is different people now. Different people. <laughs> no, not my wife. She is. She is healed of her gluten intolerance, by the way. She is perfectly healed of her gluten intolerance. But there are people who, who you know, if if, if they if they would get healed, they would lose their lose their welfare check. They would lose their benefits, and they don't want to be healed. What do you want? What do you want? Jesus asked them now, what do you want? Uh, In John, oh, sorry, uh, Mark, Mark, uh, Jesus led the person out of town, out of the town. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes, we might need to go to a certain place to receive our breakthrough or to receive our miracle, receive our healing. Maybe we have to go to a conference somewhere. Maybe we have to go hear some, some great speaker Sometimes, but if we say the only way to receive from God, the only way to receive a miracle or a breakthrough or whatever it is you're believing for, is to go to some great minister, some some conference somewhere, is to if we say that's the only way, we've restricted God. For some people, that might be the way they receive, and praise God for them because God knows this is how they're going to receive. Remember, God's interested in them receiving. God's interested in you receiving. And for them, they might receive that way. Praise God that he has anointed people, that he's brought these people into the body of Christ for this purpose. But that's not the only way. Uh, And again, we saw he prayed, Jesus prayed for the man twice. Jesus prayed for the man twice. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we you know, or actually, actually often we think if someone prays for us and we don't instantly see that, that manifestation, if we don't instantly have that healing or we don't instantly have that breakthrough that we're believing for or, or that, you know, that, that new job or that p- uh, promotion at work, whatever it might be, if we don't instantly see it, then we're like, well, I guess that didn't work. You know, I guess, I guess God didn't move. Well, Jesus, had to, Jesus prayed for this person twice. Why can't... You receive prayer twice. Why can't we? What, what makes us so special, that, that one time and that's it? In John, uh, he spat on the ground, he made clay, and then he told the person to go wash in the pool of Siloam. There was an act of faith on his part for him receiving his miracle. He had to do something. He had to go wash in the pool. I mean, this man could have been offended. He could have gotten all upset and said, I came to you for help. You put spit mud on my eyes? Are you serious? And then you tell me just to leave like this? He could have been offended. He could have been upset. He could have just stormed off of there. You're a fraud. You're a charlatan, whatever, you know. But he didn't. He went and did as Jesus said, and he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. And and it says at the end of... uh, in verse 7, at the end it says, he, uh, he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. See, he didn't receive his sight when he went. He didn't receive his sight when he washed. He received his sight when he came back. There was an act of faith on his part to him receiving a miracle. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes we have an act of faith on our part. God might tell us, God might tell us to, to, you know, if we're believing for a job or we're believing for a financial breakthrough, he might say, you know, I want you to give X amount of money to this person or to this ministry or this church or whatever, whatever it might be. There could be an act of faith there to do that, not knowing that is it really God? Is it really going to work? Is it really going really to see my breakthrough? I need this money. I mean, I need more money. That's why I'm believing for a financial breakthrough here. You know, but but there might be an act of faith on our part. We have a tendency just to want to copy other people. We have a tendency just to want to create a formula. And what someone else is doing, we're just going to copy that same thing and believe that we're going to get our answer the same way. But as we saw in all these examples, they're all different, and we're different, and we need to realize that. We are different than our, than our brother or our sister or the next person, and the way that we're going to receive from God isn't necessarily going to be the exact same way as someone else. We need to go to God and, and see how God's going to move in our life. There will often be similarities, but it's not always the same. But we so, you know, we've, we've put so many religious restrictions on God, So many, so many little things that we've put out there that we say that God's only moves in this way. That God only, if it's only if this happens like this, is it God? In no other way can it be God. You may have, uh, maybe you've heard this story of uh, there was a man one time. There was a, a flood was happening. You know, this dam broke, and a flood was coming to wipe out this this town. And uh, there's this man, he's like, you know, it's okay, I'm not worried, God's gonna save me. And so the water comes, and, and uh, a boat comes to him and says, you know, come on, get in the boat, we have to leave. He says, nope, go ahead, without me, I'm not getting in the boat, God's gonna save me. And so then, you know, he climbs the second floor of his house, because the water keeps rising, so he close the second floor. Another boat comes by, and he's like, come on, get in the boat, we have to go, the, you know, the, the town's gonna be wiped out soon. Nope, go ahead, without me, I'm not getting in the boat, I'm okay, God's gonna save me. You know, water keeps rising. He goes up to the roof of his house. He's on the roof now. Helicopter comes by. says, come on, get in the helicopter. The town Any minute now, the town's going to be destroyed. We have to go. Nope, nope, go ahead. Without me, it's okay. Don't worry, I'm not getting in the helicopter. God's going to save me. He's leaving for God to save him. Well, you know, the flood comes, leads to the town. The man dro- drowns, goes to heaven, goes up to God and says, God, I was believing you were going to save me. Why didn't you save me? God says, I sent two boats and a helicopter, what more do you want? It's, it's kind of a, 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 you know, a funny story, it's kind of a, it's a joke, but at the same time, it's true that we, we do the same thing. You know, our answer to our prayer could be right in front of us and we don't realize it because we're, we're thinking, no, this can't be God. This can't be God. Not too long ago, I was, I was praying, and I was asking God for, for direction, and, and I came. I was here in church on Sunday, and Pastor Paul was sharing a great message, and it's one that I've heard before, not from him, but just in general, the theme, the topic, I've heard it before, and I was, you know, amening, and hallelujah, and, and come on, you know, like I always do, and, and agreeing with the message. It was a really good message. You know, I, I agreed with it, but in the middle of the message, you know, God spoke to me, and he says, he says, uh, do you think that this message could be the answer that you were praying for? And I was like, well, never thought of that. But I guess it's true. Maybe God will speak through my pastor and, and speak to me in church. Hmm. You know, it's, that's kind of a, you know, novel thought, right? But, but it was a good message. I heard it so often that I thought, oh, yeah, it's really good. It's good, you know, but I, I didn't think this was going to be the answer to my message, to my prayer that, that I was believing God for, that I was asking of God. See, we restrict God. We, we put, without even realizing, we put these limitations on God. We put these, you know, these chains around Him and say, you can't do this. Uh, we had, my wife and I, we got married just over 13 months ago now. And when we got married, just, just six days before our wedding, our baker calls and says, uh, I can't make your cake. So, you know, now we have no cake for the wedding. And we really, my wife and I, we really wanted to have uh, cake at our wedding. This was one of the things that we wanted. And, you know, so what we did, like most people in situation now, I mean, we had like said six days and our week was packed. We had family flying in, we had all kinds of things to prepare. We didn't have time to go, you know, cake shopping at this point. And most people would just be panicking and they'd be, you know, just doing whatever they can do to try finding new cake. We went to God and said, God, you know, you are our wedding planner. We we decided that when we first got engaged, we said, "God, you're going to be our wedding planner. You're going to take care of all the details." He says, "So we just we don't have a cake. We need another cake." And we that's it. That was that was Sunday. We didn't worry about it. Uh, Monday, we were at work, and, and a friend call, uh, messaged my wife and asked how things were going, and she's like, "Oh, you know, it's all good, but we you know we don't have a cake." And and so this this person says, "Oh, I I know someone. I know a good place." and uh, gave, us, gave us the contact and we contacted them and, and praise God, you know, we had our cake for, for Saturday, just like a few days later. We didn't have time to go there and test it out. We didn't have time to meet them in person. We just, we just talked to them on the phone and Saturday came and we had a beautiful cake sitting in the, in the foyer here for, you know, for our wedding. But how often do we, when we're, do we think that you know, this person who's, this friend or whoever it might be that's coming to us just asking, how are you doing? How often do we think, this one could have our answer from God? This, is, this could be our answer. Usually never, if we're honest, right? Usually never do we think. If we're believing God for something, we never really expect this person who's, who's who just going, hey, how you doing? Going to have our answer to what we're believing God for. But yet, why can't God work through them? Why can't that be the answer that we're believing for? Who here as... Uh, um, you know, ever ever heard this thing, you know, in God's timing. It's very common. A lot of people, a lot of people say this, right? It sounds, it sounds so spiritual. Oh, in God's timing, I know it'll come to pass. Right? So spiritual, right? We use it so often. But let me ask you, if if we're believing that in God's timing, if this is you today, just take a moment and think about it. Is today God's timing? Is His timing right now for you? Or is it 20 years from now? What is it you're really expecting? Because usually when we say in God's timing, we're saying, God, you can't move in my life right now. God, you can't move in my life today. In the future, hopefully, it'll happen but not today. And we've limited God from moving right now, right here. Well, you just saw this, as I said this morning, you know, I was healed in worship. That could be any one of us. That can happen to any, all of us. It's such, it sounds so spiritual, but I'm telling you, it is not scriptural. You read, read the Word of God, you read in the New Testament any example of Jesus ever healing somebody, ever giving an answer to somebody. He never once said, oh, sorry, not today. Come back tomorrow. Maybe, maybe next month, maybe next year. He never said that. Even in the Old Testament, when people came to the prophet, the seer, the man of God, and they wanted something, whatever it might be, he never once said... Well, let me go to God and see what he says, and then comes back. God says, not today. God says it's not, the timing isn't right yet. He never says that. I don't know where this, you know, this saying of in God's timing comes from, but it's not scriptural. And as long as we hold on to these so spiritually sounding sayings, we're limiting God, and we're, and we're restraining him. We're, combine, we're confining him in how he's going to move in our life. I mean, scripture says that, that, as Brother Laurel was saying this morning, you know, we are already healed, according to 1 Peter 24. We are already blessed with every spiritual blessing, according to Ephesians 1, verse 3. We've already been forgiven of all of our sins, according to Hebrews 10. We already have the mind of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 2, and know all things, according to excuse me, 1 John chapter 2. So if we already have all these things... Now, in this moment, we have them. How is God's timing some point in the future? Now, there may be a time period involved. There may be uh, some time involved. If we go back to this example of the blind man being healed in in John chapter 1, you know, Jesus spit on the ground, made made the mud, put it on his eyes, and said, go and wash in the pool. Well, as I said, he didn't receive his sight when he went. He didn't receive his sight when he washed. He received his sight as he came back. So there was a time period involved there. But who was that timing dependent on? Was it on Jesus? Had Jesus not completely finished his work? Or was it the man? See, this person had control as to how quickly he went to the pool and washed. If he had just made a straight line for the pool and just, you know, didn't stop for anything and just washed right away, I don't know how far the pool was from, from the uh, temple. But, you know, it could have been five minutes. It could have been half an hour. I don't know. I've never studied out exactly to see, you know, where the distance would be and calculated how, you know, how fast a person can walk, how fast a blind person can walk, you know, and... and to see how you know how long it would take him but maybe it was half an hour I don't know but there was a time period involved there but now let me ask you what would have happened as this man is walking to the pool and a friend stops him and says oh hey how you doing he's like oh you know I'm good yeah this guy just prayed for me over here and told me to go wash in the pool so I'm heading that way now and oh yeah what's new with you oh well you know I just you know and they started having a conversation you know and they and they talked there for a while and then he keeps walking, and then someone says, Oh, hey, why don't you come over for lunch? It's lunchtime. Come on in. Oh, sure, I'm hungry, why not? You know, and he goes and has lunch and they eat and they fellowship and you know, and then you know, eight hours later, ten hours later, whatever it might be, he finally gets to the pool and washes. And when he and when he after he washes and he comes back, now he can see. See, he could he had control over how long that time period took. It wasn't Jesus. It was him. It was up to him. And we don't. so often we don't realize, but we can control. We can control when we receive our breakthrough. Because the scripture says we've already received these things. We've received our healing. We've received our blessing. We've received forgiveness. We've re- we have the mind of Christ. We know all things in our spirit. So if we need an answer or a direction or wisdom, it's already there. We're not trying to get God to move and get God to do something for us. We're trying to receive what God's already done. But if we have these limitations, if we have these things in our life, well, in God's timing, it's going to happen. Well, you might be waiting a while. You might be waiting a while. Like I said, if you truly, if you truly ask yourself, you're, you'd have to admit that I don't believe God's going to move right now. I don't believe today is the day. I'm hoping at some point in the future, it will happen. And that's why I'm saying in God's timing. So how do, we, how do we do this? How do we give God some space to breathe in our life? I think the very first thing we need to do is we need to acknowledge that God loves us more than we love ourselves. Romans, Romans 5 you know, tells us this, but God loves us far more than we love ourselves, and He is more interested in us receiving our healing, receiving our breakthrough, receiving our direction in life, whatever it might be that we're we're believing for, receiving our spouse, receiving whatever it could be anything that we're believing. anything that's promised to us in the Word of God. He is more interested in us receiving that than we are in receiving it for ourselves. So much so that He already sent His Son to die on the cross, already sent His Son to do it for us. We need to acknowledge that because as long as we doubt does God really love me, does God really wanting to move in my life, we're going to restrict Him in some way. The second thing I think we need to do is we need to get into the Word of God. You know, we can't know what God's will for our life is if we don't read the Bible. The Bible is full of his promises. It's full of his, his desires for us, his will for us. But if we don't know the will of God, if we don't know what the Bible says, we can so easily fall victim to these so spiritual-sounding sayings, like, in God's timing, or if it be thy will... Or any number of these spiritual, spiritual sounding sayings that are just not scriptural. But only the scripture can tell us that. So if we're not in the scripture, if we're not reading the Bible, how do we know? How do we know what's promised us? A very important one, I think, and I want to close with this, is we need to stop looking at others and trying to copy them. We need to stop trying to create a formula or trying to receive in the same way that someone else received. You know, in, in uh, John 21, I want to look at John 21, it's my last scripture today. John 21, verses 20 to 22. There we go. So Jesus had just told Peter, Jesus, this is after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and he's speaking with Peter, and he's giving Peter direction for his life, and he's telling Peter, what his future holds, and even to the point of how he's going to die. Jesus is kind of laying it all out there for him. This is your purpose in life. This is your mission. And even told him how he was going to die in the end. And in in verse 20, we find Peter's response. And it says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? So it's talking about John, the Apostle John. Uh, he was the one who, Scripture says that, that uh, Jesus loved. He was the one who leaned on his breast at supper. He was the one who asked Jesus, uh, who's the one that's betraying you? So, so he's, it says, he turned and he saw John. is basically what he's saying. So Peter, seed, uh, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? As I said, Jesus just gave him his, his direction for his life, his calling, his purpose. This is your mission. This is your job, if you will. This is what I've created you to do. This is what I want you to do. And just kind of laid it out in front of him. And the very first thing he does is he turns. To, he saw someone else and he says to Jesus, uh, what's he doing? What's his call? What's his mission? And, uh, you know, you got to love Jesus' answer. He says, Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is, that's none of your business. That doesn't matter to you, what I have have in store for John. You follow me. I've just told you your mission. I've just told you your calling in life. You follow me. See, but so often... That's what we want to do. That's what we, you know, if we're believing God for a financial breakthrough and, and, and we feel like, just as an example, again, like maybe God is saying you need to act out in faith, you need to step out in faith, and you need to, you need to take, you know, whatever amount of money and go and give it to this, this charity over here. We look at the next person and say, well, they just had a financial breakthrough. They just got a promotion at work. That's what I'm believing for. They didn't have to do that. So why should I have to? we don't we look at others and we try to do the same thing they're doing try to copy their situation how they did it you know how they received but as i said we're all different we're all we're all from different backgrounds we all have different upbringing we all you know our our relationship with god is at different places different stages so if if we're believing god why would we think that what worked for someone else will work for us now, it can. I'm not saying, again, that it necessarily won't. But if God gives us a direction for us, why would we go, well, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to go to, you know, Zimbabwe and have Catherine, or what's her name, uh, Heidi Baker, pray for them. Pray for, pray for them. Why do I have to? Who cares? Do you want to be healed or not? Who cares what they had to go through, what they did? What is God telling you? What is God telling you? How, if you're wanting to receive a healing for yourself, we need to have God, follow God's direction for us. Not worry about how someone else received their healing, their breakthrough, their miracle. There's lessons to be learned there. But it's not going to happen the exact same way. And we can't expect it to be happening the exact same way. Amen?